Alright legends, welcome along to another episode of Hellmouth Hotline I'm your host Rodney Stewart and we're getting back into it right now After an unexpected little break over the Christmas period and the new year I made the very big mistake of saying and probably if not the last episode on the show Maybe the episode before it, that I was going to be doing it weekly on a three day a week basis because I was just getting into the Angel spin off from Buffy and absolutely loved that show and I was just excited to get into it and I was never going to miss an episode. And then Numb Nuts got himself burned out in a major, major way to the point where I was actually physically sick. Um, yeah, so it just. Balancing too many things, spinning too many plates at the one time for too long and you know, if you don't take a break once in a while, your damn body's gonna make it make you take a break at some point. So I just I had a wall and I got a piece of advice of um Mel Robbins. I actually heard her coming out with it now. It's not her pearl of wisdom, but it's something she picked up from somebody else. And if memory serves, she couldn't recall who it was she heard it from. But essentially, what she was saying was, you know, whenever you hit a wall, whether it be physically, mentally, uh, what you need to do when you hit that wall is... Not necessarily trying to drive your way through it. A lot of people would say, you know, just put your head down and keep going. You had a wall hard enough, physically or mentally. It's a good idea to just take time and lean against that wall and take a little break. So I just thought to myself, right, screw this. I'm just going to drop everything for a few weeks. Get myself back on track. Get rested up. And we'll get back into it when the time comes. So I'm feeling pretty good now. Uh, it was nice just to take a break for a few weeks and just chill out, watch a bit of TV with the feet up, and uh, yeah, so we're back now, and we're getting into another one of the Halloween movies, this is Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, now, I do have to say, um, if you've heard the previous podcast on the channel of the Halloween movies, they're not necessarily my go-to movies. Uh, I'm more into the Freddy Krueger, Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Um, Jason, you know, uh, Jason Voorhees. Love those two horror icons. Now, Michael Myers is right up there with him, in all fairness. But whenever it comes to the crunch, he's not my favourite. Um, I am very much... Uh, a Halloween virgin when it comes to these movies. I have seen bits and pieces of them over the years, but I've never actually made a point of sitting down and actually watching them 100%. But I have to say now, in my mind, this here is my favourite of the Halloween movies so far, The Return of Michael Myers. Great, great movie. I had a great time with this one. Uh, as it suggests... The film attempted to bring back Michael Myers after his absence in the third one, Season of the Witch. John Carpenter and Deborah Hull had intended, whenever they made that movie, to create a, an anthology series. And only the first two movies 
were going to be connected, everything after that, there was going to be like a, a movie set on Halloween and it would be a different character, different cast. Uh, they would just keep going. And now part of me would like to have seen what would have happened if they had went ahead with that there, but they obviously didn't. Um, Halloween 4 was originally intended to be a ghost story, but after the, the poor reception of Halloween 3, they abandoned that idea and decided, okay, we'll get back and we'll try Michael Myers one more time. Uh, this was released in the United States on October 21st, 1988. It grossed $17.8 million domestically on a budget of $5 million. So, it was, it was a moneymaker. Like these movies... Uh, even though the poor reception of the pre- previous one, like whenever you're going to go down the road of like Michael Myers or Freddy Krueger or Jason Voorhees or anything out there, people are going to go and see it. Even if they're expecting it to be a crap movie, they're going to go and check it out anyway. So, uh, yeah, this was a good, in my mind, in my humble opinion, this was a good decision to bring him back for this movie. Um, Unfortunately, according to what I'm seeing here on the internet, it received mostly negative reviews from critics. Uh, However, the film, much like the series in general, has developed a strong cult following since its release. That's the thing about these sorts of movies. they, They do, over time, hit the target audience, and people have got a lot of love for them. And even though, again, Halloween not been my go-to when it comes to these types of movies you have to respect the fact that it is like a part of the backbone of horror in the 80s so uh, it's all good stuff Um, it says here the film begins the foreign trilogy story arc which would be continued in Halloween 5 The Revenge of Michael Myers and Halloween the Curse of Michael Myers, uh, 1989 and 1995. So, uh, as far as the plot goes in this movie, October 30th, 1988, Michael Myers, who's been comatose for 10 years since the explosion at the Memorial Hospital at the end of Halloween 2, has been transferred to Smith's Grove Sanitarium by ambulance from the current place he's at and uh, the regiment regiment federal sanitarium uh, upon hearing that his niece is living uh, it's this kid in the movie is the daughter of his sister that he was trying to kill off in the first two movies and uh this awakens him one more time. That's uh, weird. Like I've, I've actually at this point, I've actually watched the next movie and the the line, and it's that's weird the way he kind of like he's. It's almost as if he wakes up on Halloween, goes in the killing spree, then goes back into this weird coma sort of a thing, and basically sleeps for a year and turns up again um, but it is what it is and uh, just you take these movies for what they are Michael awakens and he kills the ambulance personnel that are transporting him 
the ambulance crashes under the river. He escapes and he starts making his way to Haddonfield. Uh, Michael's former psychiatrist, Loomis, turns up again in this movie. At the end of the second one, of course, it finished off where you just you were expecting Loomis and Michael to die together at the end of the movie, and that's what obviously where they were going to leave it. But the two of them have indeed survived that explosion at the end of that second movie, so they're back and they're getting into their old way of going again. Loomis, he learns of Michael's escape, and of course he goes after him one more time, and he follows him to a gas station, and like a little restaurant, where Michael has killed a mechanic for his clothes, and a, f- a woman that was working there too is dead as well. And, you know, it's just... He's back under the overalls again, same colour, just, and again, it is what it is. Uh, you know, it's it's always interesting for me in these movies to see how the villain is going to get back into that costume and mask once again. And there was, it was an, a running thing for me in the... Friday the 13th movies to see how Jason Voorhees is going to find this hockey mask again so the, it's, they're jumping into similar territory with these movies or they did jump into similar territory with these movies um, Michael escapes in a tow truck uh, causes the gas pumps to explode uh, destroys Loomis's car and knocks out the phone lines and Loomis manages to catch a ride to Haddonfield with this crazy preacher who is on a mission to fight the evil in his own way and he's uh, seems to be a raging alcoholic as well. Um, meanwhile, Jimmy Lloyd, Laurie Strode's daughter and Michael's niece is living in Haddonfield with her foster family. Richard and Darlene Crullers and their teenage daughter Rachel and Jimmy, this little girl who's absolutely fantastic in this movie by the way really really good for all the age of her she's having these nightmares about Michael though she knows of her uncle she does not realise he's the figure she's having in the nightmares so that seemed a little bit disjointed to me for this little girl who never seen this obviously should never have seen this side of Michael Myers at one point in time she did meet him physically uh, but to have the nightmares of him and the the overalls and the the Kirk mask uh, just seems a little bit disjointed in the movie but again you just you get into these movies here and you just take the ride and just Whatever they throw at you, you just you, you watch it, and it either hits, uh, it really hits you in the way they want it to hit you, or it just it completely goes over your head and just it does it's either for you or it's not for you. For me, ultimately, but then this movie, absolutely loved it. So uh, she's having these nightmares, and she doesn't really realize that it's her uncle. It's in the dreams uh, on Halloween night. Rachel, or Richard and Darlene go to a party and leave uh, Rachel to babysit uh, forcing her to cancel a date with her boyfriend 
Brady. And after school, Rachel takes Jamie to buy some ice cream and a Halloween costume. Uh, this is the point where Michael arrives in Haddonfield and steals a mask from the same store that Jamie and Rachel are visiting. And uh, yes, of course, it's the Kirk mask. The wee girl's going on looking for her Halloween costume. You see it in the background. You're just like, yep, he's coming for that. And he does indeed, and he gets it. Uh, he almost attacks the. Uh, I'm skipping ahead in my notes. Uh, yeah, so he gets his mask. He's there. He's about to track down this little girl and kill her because it's his niece. He's uh, a field at killing Laurie Strode, and the storyline here. She died in a car accident, of memory serves. It's been a few weeks now since I watched it. But uh, she's dead, and her daughter has been fostered out. Um, that night, as Rachel takes Jamie trick-or-treating, Michael breaks into the house and finds photos of Laurie in Jamie's bedroom. Loomis then turns up in Haddonfield and warns the new sheriff, Ben Meeker, that Michael has returned. Uh, Michael heads to the power station. Like this is really trimming the movie down in a major, major way. There's a lot of stuff going on in there, but I'm just going to hit the main points of it here. So he kills a worker at this power plant by throwing him under the transformer, knocks out the town, puts it in the darkness. Uh, they then attacks the police station, killing every officer on the side. There's a big body count in this movie, as far as what. Michael's doom, but a lot of it's off screen. You see the aftermath of something that he's done, but you don't actually see a lot of what of him doing it. You know, so at one point, the the police are trying to get in contact with the station. There's no, there's no answer, and when they go to check it out, there's there's dead bodies everywhere. So uh, a lynch mob is then formed in the town to go kill Michael, uh, the sheriff, of course. I was trying to keep it quiet that Michael Myers has returned, but everybody remembers what happened at the end of the the second movie and the the high body count that he racked up on that one. So when they discover that he's there, all down the Loomis, he just the sheriff's trying to keep it quiet. Loomis, he just flat out tells him Michael Myers is here and he's trying to kill this little girl and goodness knows who else he's going to murder to achieve his ends. Uh, all the police are dead, essentially, at this point, other than the sheriff and maybe a couple of deputies here and there. So, uh, yeah, lynch mob is formed. They head off to try and track down uh, Michael. Uh, Rachel then discovers why she's trick-or-treating uh, with Jamie. She finds her boyfriend cheating on her with the sheriff's daughter. Uh, she then manages to lose track of Jamie and then she winds up getting chased by Michael uh, Rachel finds Jamie uh, Sheriff Meeker and Loomis arrive and take the girls to the sheriff's house where Brady as with Ke this girl Kelly that he was cheating on cheating with uh, along with a deputy uh, they start to barricade the house down and Loomis departs to look for Michael and Brady, he tries to talk to Rachel, but she refuses to speak with him. And 
Michael then sneaks under the house, kills the deputy, and Kelly takes her out of the equation very swiftly. Uh, Rachel and Jimmy flee to the attic of the house, while Brady stays to try and fend off Michael. Um, he's killed. Uh, Michael breaks his neck, essentially. And the girls end up climbing through the roof, through the window onto the roof of the house. And Jimmy gets lowered down to safety, but Michael attacks Rachel and knocks her off the roof, knocking her unconscious. So she takes a massive, massive fall in this here, and should have killed her, but she survives. And, you know, I have to say now, the, the filmmaking in this movie was top-notch. That majority of that sequence where Michael's in the house and he's chasing them up onto the roof and the little girl's getting lowered down the, the tension that's built up in that scene is phenomenal it's great absolutely loved it um, so Jamie she's getting pursued by Michael she runs manages to find Loomis and they take shelter in the school but Michael appears and he throws Loomis through a glass window or glass door and chases Jamie through the building. She trips and falls down a flight of stairs. Uh, Rachel then reappears and she manages to take out, well, subdue Michael slightly with a fire extinguisher. Uh, he then escapes. Uh, the lunch mob arrives and uh, the four men agree to drive the girls out of the town. Along the way, they meet up with the state police that are on route to Haddonsfield. That's a big part of this movie in the, the section of the film where they were locked down under the house. It was to wait for reinforcements to come to help them fight this man off. Um, gosh, I looked away from my notes and now I can't find where I was at. Yeah, so the state police... They're met in en route to Haddonsfield, but uh, this truck that the lynch mob is on, Michael's actually hiding on it, and he climbs up onto the back of the truck while it's in motion, and starts taking out the lynch mob, throwing the people off the truck. Uh, yeah, he kills four of them. Um, Rachel, the driver's taken out. Rachel takes the wheel. Um, he, Michael's on the roof and he's trying to grab her through the window and whatnot. And he's got the knife and he's stabbing and getting on just the usual Michael Myers sort of thing. But uh, she slams the brakes on and throws him off the top of the, the roof of the truck under the street. And uh, yeah, they, she then basically tries to run him over um, yeah so he gets knocked off the road down onto this opening of like a mine so uh, Loomis and Maker turn up along with the police and there's a, there's a point where little Jamie walks over and you get the feeling throughout the movie in places that there's a connection between these two, you know, uncle and niece. And there's a point where he is on the ground, unconscious after getting hit by this truck. And she goes over and she takes him by the hand 
and everybody freaks out. And it's like, get away from him. And at this point, as she's about to leave him, he gets up as usual. You know, it's the, the old trick in the, the horror movies where you think the bad guy's dead. And then he pops up again. And uh, yes, this happens at the end of the movie. And the state police uh, start shooting him, put goodness knows how many rounds onto him. Then he falls into the, the opening of the mine uh, at Caves in on top of him and you reckon this is Michael Myers finally gone but of course it's not going to be that these been the cash cows that they were there's going to be another movie coming along and we do get to see what happens in the next movie but as far as this movie goes you reckon okay Michael fell down a mine they caved the whole thing in on top of him How's he going to survive that? We'll find out in due course. Uh, Loomis and Maker take Jamie and Rachel Rachel, back home. Uh, the foster mother darling goes upstairs during a bath for little Jamie. And she's attacked. And it's, it harkens back to the original movie. When you seen at the beginning when Michael originally killed his sister... Uh, it was like a point of view of Michael Myers as a child, and you basically just seen like the the mask coming down over the face and coming into the room and stabbing her. You get a mirror image of that in this movie, where you get the the point of view, a mask coming down over the eyes of whoever, whoever's perspective you're seeing, and the the foster mother. As attacked, you see, you see this hand lifting a pair of scissors, and the stabbing starts. Um, in fairness, you don't actually get to see the aftermath of this, but uh, everybody down the stairs, including Loomis, hears the scream. Uh, Loomis runs to the the bottom of the stairs, and he looks up, and it's little GMA. She's in her Halloween costume with a little mask on her and she's got the the scissors in her hand with blood on them and Loomis starts screaming repeatedly no, no, no and then he attempts to shoot Jamie at the end of the movie but Maker stops him and Loomis sinks to the floor and begins sobbing just when he thought Michael was taken out of the equation for good it seems that the curse of Michael Myers has went to another member of his family and this little girl at whatever age she is, seven, eight, nine years old, she's very, very young in the movie, is now corrupted at the end of the movie uh, in his eyes and he's bawling his eyes out at the end of the movie as Rachel, Richard and Meeker stare in horror realising that Michael has taken over this little girl and that's where the, the movie uh, closes out. I absolutely loved this movie. Donald Pleasance, great to see him back again. Uh, wasn't expecting that. I do remember him and his character from the first movie anyway. Like, I don't care who you are, if you're any kind of ways interested in horror at all. You've seen... 
if not all of the original Halloween, you've seen most of it at some point along the line. Um, Danielle Harris as Jamie Lloyd is absolutely fantastic in this movie. She's very, very convincing. And the acting that she pulls off in this movie, fan-bloody-tastic. Uh, this is definitely, so far out of all the, the Halloween movies, this is definitely going to be the, one of the ones that I would go back to if I fancied a little bit of horror on a weekend or something. I'm like, I'll check out the ha- a Halloween movie. I haven't watched them in a while. Halloween 4. Brilliant, brilliant old movie. I'm looking forward to getting into... Again, I've seen the next in the series of Halloween movies. Then, now that I know that it's a trilogy as such, the uh, four, this is Halloween four, four, five, and six are a trilogy. I'm dying to see what happens because I have seen the next movie, and it has an interesting finish, and what happens in that one. So we'll get into that next Friday. But in the meantime, between then, between now and then. We're going to do another episode of Buffy, another episode of Angel. We're back, we're reset, we're overborn out, and we're going to keep going at these as best we can. So that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Hope you enjoyed it, and I will talk to you in the next one. This has been a production of Coins Age Media. Thank you so much for listening.